Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, church, if you've got your Bible this morning, if you get it open to Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5. This morning, we are concluding. Can y'all believe this? Hard to believe. It feels like we just got into this series, but this morning, we are at our conclusion of our series, Brokenness and Hope. And this morning, if you've got something to write notes with, and I would encourage you to, uh, the title of today's message is Waiting for Restoration from Lamentations chapter 5. And the big question that we're going to be wrestling with today from Lamentations chapter 5 is what do we do when answers to our prayers and resolution to our questions do not come quickly? What do we do in life when it feels like our suffering deep and painful as it is, just doesn't seem to end. What do we do in these moments and in these seasons? Well, this morning we're going to be looking at this from Lamentations chapter 5, which we know is written by the prophet Jeremiah as a lament on behalf of the people of Israel as they are in exile, far away from where they were supposed to be in a real suffering season of their life. And we're going to be looking at the words from their hearts that God gave to them so that we might learn from them and learn how to engage in our own grief. What do we do when it feels like our suffering is not ending? We've been talking about lament for the last few months, and we've been talking about how it's such a needed and undiscovered grace, um, personally and corporately. I, I started the series by telling y'all, historically, I've been pretty bad at this. And I've been hearing from a lot of you as we've gone through this series of just being thankful for the opportunity to actually learn how to relate to God and to relate to others when things are not okay how to actually sit in grief and in sorrow with God, how to have some direction when days feel just overwhelmingly difficult. We've been talking about lament as the pathway that God's provided for us to engage him in our grief. And we've been seeking to be increasingly honest, and I hope this morning you will be, right? Um, Once more just honest about your own story. Sometimes we don't know how to open our stories up to one another. In almost every one of our stories, there are moments, there are seasons that just feel like they're easier to not talk about than to talk about. There are parts of our story that just feel better kept, kind of swept up under the rug, kind of tucked away in the closet. It's kind of like, you know, when people come over to your house, And you're like, oh, crap. And you go throw stuff in the closet that you don't want them to see, you know? 
We're not really this messy, I promise. Um, just don't, look, don't open the closet. Um, we've got closets in our relationship with other people. We've got things that we keep hidden from others. We've got things that we keep hidden from God, things that we'd rather others and God just not see. Not, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to deal with it. Some days, some seasons bring more questions than answers, more tears than smiles, more valleys than mountaintops, more darkness than light. If I put up a list of words that describe some of these seasons like pain or doubt or disappointment or questions or disillusionment or frustration or grief or hurt, I bet you could put a star by some of these that describe you. Some of these that have described moments in your story or maybe even describe what you're feeling right now. And the question that we've been engaging, and this is the gift of the book of Lamentations, and here's what I'm, as your pastor, I'm just, I'm inviting you. Don't let this series stop with this sermon today. This incredible book has been given to us for this very reason, that we might know how to respond in our suffering. All of us have pain because the world is broken and we are broken. How are we to respond? The gift of lament, both in this book of Lamentations, all throughout the scripture, we've looked at Psalms, we've looked at Jesus himself, the gift of lament is to know how to move toward God in the midst of these kind of places in life. And I pray, if nothing else that you'll remember from this season, is that God does invite you to move toward him when things are not great. God invites you to move toward him in these dark places and spaces of life, in these painful moments, God invites you to move toward him. Well, this morning, we're gonna keep moving in the series, and we conclude with chapter five, all right? The chart I've been using uh, week by week kind of shows you where, where we've been, and today we are in our last week waiting for restoration. If you've been taking notes in this series, you should have learned a lot about lament so far, and if you missed any week, you can always go back and listen or watch online, but I'll put up a list of the lessons that we've learned so far, and if you wouldn't mind today, in spirit of our last week together, would you read these with me? Number one, in lament, we bring our brokenness to God. Number two, in lament, we bring our complaints to God. Number three, in lament, we bring our confession to God. Number four, in lament, we bring our submission to God. Number five, in lament, we bring our desperation to God. Number six, in lament, we bring our trust to God. Number seven, in lament, we bring our expectancy to God. Number eight, in lament, we bring our idols to God. And then number nine, in lament, we bring our hearts to God. Well, this morning, I'm gonna add the final lesson to the list, and it's number 10. And the title of today's message, Waiting for Restoration. And I told you at the beginning, the question that we're gonna be answering today is what do we do when the answers to our prayers and the resolutions to our questions don't come quickly? What do we do when it feels like our suffering is not ending? And the answer to this is found 
in lesson 10. If you've got something to write with, I hope you'll write it down. And lament, we keep bringing ourselves to God. And lament, we keep bringing ourselves to God. Another way I could say this is this. And lament, we keep lamenting. Our main point this morning is this, and this will describe it a little bit further. In lament, we continually engage God in our suffering. We choose to keep turning to God and turning to God and turning to God and turning to God in prayer. That is the nature of lament. Lament is a choice in the midst of suffering and sorrows to turn to God and to keep turning to God again and again and again. And all of the principles that we've covered so far in one through nine, essentially lament in principle 10, what we're learning is we just keep going through those again and again and again. We keep engaging God in those ways. So in lament, it's less about an ending point, and it's more about a journey with God through the realities and the brokenness and the pain and the sorrows of life until the day that he makes all things new. And we get to be with our God and experience the fullness of his renewal and restoration in all things forever. Lament leads us to keep lamenting. Mark Vaugrip in uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, which I've referenced many times. It's out there in the resource library. It'll be out there only for one more week. Next week, we change the resource library to Christmas things. You're welcome. You can enjoy uh, getting some seasonal resources next week. But if you haven't seen the book out there, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, I'd encourage you before you leave today to consider looking at it because it is fantastic and has been a great help to me and has been a real help to this series. He says in the book, lament is the song that we sing in the space between pain and promise. It becomes the path between the poles of a hard life and trusting God's goodness. The song we sing between pain and promise. The path between the poles of hard life and trusting God's goodness. And lament, we keep on lamenting. So I want to go to the scripture this morning, and I want to look at this together, and I believe it's going to be a very practical sermon for you today. There's three main ways that we can learn to wait on restoration, and all of these three come straight out of the text as Jeremiah, on behalf of the people, as the book closes, turns to God in three ways, and hopefully you'll hear them as we go through chapter five. He's crying out to the Lord, and he has three cries to the Lord. All right? I want you to see if you can identify them as we read back through Lamentations chapter 5. I read from the ESV. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our home to foreigners. 
We've become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water that we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We've given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is as hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate. The young men, their music, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, you reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. This is God's word. The question we're asking today, what do we do when answers to prayers, resolutions to questions don't come quickly? What do we do when it feels like our suffering is not ending? The reason I think this question is a question of Lamentations chapter five is because if you notice, the book of Lamentations just ended with what we just read. And yet, there's no resolution. In fact, the book of Lamentations just ends without, I mean like, the city of Jerusalem that they've been lamenting over, they've been crying out for, like, it's still lying in desolation. It's still lying in ruins. They're still sitting in exile. Suffering lingers amidst the people. The temple that they've cried out over, how could it be that even the most holy place would be so desecrated? It's still lying in ruin. There's more to come, we know, by reading the Old Testament, but the lament ends without answers. Lament, the song that we sing between pain and promise. Lament, the pathway that we take between the poles of a hard life and trusting God and his goodness. 
I know there are some even today that feel like you're in the in-between. Where it just feels like I'm somewhere between pain and promise. I'm somewhere between the difficulties of life and, and God's goodness and, I, and I'm just in this in-between space and it feels like this is not changing. Like I'm crying out from my heart but it's like this is still where I am. I'm in the in-between. The question is, what do we do in the in-between? There's three things that I believe we can learn from this last chapter. Three rhythms I would like to invite you to consider. It's kind of a summary of the nine principles that we've looked at so far of lament. But there's three rhythms that I see here for us to learn from as we wait for restoration. And they're marked pretty clearly, there's one in verse one, there's one in verse 19, and there's one in verse 21. They're marked clearly by the ways that Jeremiah is crying out to the Lord as he invokes, O Lord, O Lord, O Lord. There's an O Lord in verse one, there's an O Lord in verse 19, and there's an O Lord in verse 21. These are cries directly to the Lord, okay? So what I've done this morning is I've tried to help you see here in chapter chapter five, in these three verses, how God is helping us to know how to actually wait upon him, how to cry out to him as we wait for his restoration, as we're in the in-between. So the first one is this. The first one is this, and it comes from verse one. We have to learn to rest in his care for us. So the first thing that we do, that I want you to do, is you've got to rest in God's care for you. As you wait for restoration, rest in his care for you. And this comes right from verse one. You can look at it in your scripture. He says, remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. And he continues and he says there in verse one, look and see our disgrace. And then he begins to name in verses one through 18. He begins to name all the things that he's struggling with. Remember, oh Lord. This request is asking for more than just for God not to forget. It's a calling upon his his character as a covenant keeper of his people. It's a request for him to intervene, yes. He, it's a way to go, God, this is hard. And in lament, as you're waiting on restoration, keep going to God. Keep letting lament be the voice for your pain and keep saying to God, God, this is hard. God, I've lost this. God, I feel this. God, I'm struggling with this. God, I'm frustrated about this. God, I'm complaining about this. Don't stop going to him. Let lament be voice for your soul for your own pain, but also let it be a way to remember. Not only remember that God remembers you, but also allow it to be a way for you to remember him. The Bible um, constantly is connecting God's redemption to his remembering. In Genesis 
chapter eight, it talks about how God remembered Noah after the flood. In Genesis chapter nine, he says, I will remember my covenant between me and you. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember my covenant. In Deuteronomy nine, when the Israelites had sinned with the golden calf, Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh God, would you be merciful and remember the covenant that you made with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. In Psalm 25, David cries out for mercy to the Lord. And he says, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. So Jeremiah is saying, oh God, would you remember what has befallen us? Would you look and to see our disgrace? He's saying, oh God, would you, God, I wanna stop hiding what is causing me pain. I don't wanna hide from you. I don't wanna put things in the closet with you, God, as you come over. When I'm coming to you, God, I, I am coming, letting you see my tears. God, I'm coming, letting you know my soul, and God, I'm coming and asking for your remembrance. Oh God, would you remember me? And even in doing that, you guys, what you're doing is you're resting in the fact that you know you're not alone in this. You're resting in the fact that you know God does see you. He is ROE, he's the God who sees, he does care for you. You're resting in the fact that you have a savior who says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're responding to his invitation to come when you're opening yourself up to him. You're remembering that he cares for you. The first thing that we do as we wait for restoration is we rest. We rest in his care for us. We don't hide ourselves from him nor do we think that he is hiding himself from us. We say, oh Lord, would you remember? The second thing that we do is we trust in his sovereign care over us. Number two is we trust in his sovereignty over us. This is from verse 19. The second time that Jeremiah cries out to the Lord on behalf of the people. He says, but you, O Lord, reign forever. You, O Lord, reign forever. And he goes on and he says, your throne endures to all generations. So in lament, part of what is happening here is Jeremiah is talking to his heart almost, but he's also talking to God. He's saying, I, I, God, I know, I'm remembering, I'm, I'm reconnecting with this, I'm reorienting around this, God. You are control over all things, including, God, my pain. Jeremiah is essentially, uh, again and again, he's, he's saying, God, I know that you rule. I know, God, that everything works according to your purposes, God. You are in control. Everything that happens in life moves to the fulfillment of a plan that you have ordained. God, you are on your throne. 
And God, I believe that right now in this moment, I have not been abandoned. You care for me. And I also believe right now in this moment, Satan and the brokenness of the world will not have its final say. God, you will. You are in total control. And God, while I don't understand, God, I know that in this moment, like Jeremiah says in his book, Jeremiah 18, verse 6, like a clay is in the potter's hands, oh God, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He's saying, God, I know that you have me in your hands. In Jeremiah chapter 32, the Lord says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? You, Lord, reign forever. Now, I know that for some of us in this room today, thinking about our past or even our present, (laughs) you might go, hmm, that doesn't, I don't know if that feels very comforting. With what I'm going through right now, it's hard to think about God being in control of it. Everything right now feels out of control. It feels like God is distant. It feels like brokenness is winning. Evil is winning our day. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes life just feels cruel, doesn't it? go to the hospital next door and sit with families. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Mark Vargrup in his book says, Lamentations shows us that God's sovereignty and his reign are not negated by suffering. God is still in control even through loss Lament affirms God's sovereignty when dark clouds linger. He reigns even when the future is unclear. How good is it to be able to go to bed every night, to lay your head on the pillow when things feel out of control and say, Lord, I'm trusting your control. Lord, I'm trusting your control. Lord, I'm trusting your control. Even when my eyes cannot see, when my heart sometimes cannot feel it, when circumstances just look cruel, God, I'm still choosing to trust your control. Even when we don't understand his hands, we can trust his heart, and we can trust that he is in control. What passage can we use to help us in this? Think about Acts chapter two. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, And he says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless Jews, but God raised him up and he loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. What is Peter proclaiming? God reigned over the darkest moment in human history. 
the crucifixion of his own son. The cruel death of Jesus at the hands of wicked men was part of God's plan for redemption. God, if, if God can take the most unjust moment in history and turn it into redemption, then surely right now in our brokenness, while we don't understand it and while we don't like it, we can acknowledge he reigns. He reigns. Even when we cannot imagine how God might be using such brokenness in our lives and difficulties of our circumstances, we can still believe he is in control. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for he is with us. And lament essentially believes this, that the presence of pain, no matter how strong it is, it does not negate the plan of God. Lament believes this and holds on to this and waits for the fullness of God's justice to be accomplished. Waits knowing that he's sovereign over all things and that he in his heart of hearts is good and there's coming a day that we will see how his control was at work in our lives and how he did bring it about for good. So in the moment, we go to bed every night and we say, God, this feels out of control, but God, I know that you are in control. But you, Lord, verse 19, but you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. The second rhythm as we wait for restoration is to trust in the sovereignty over us. So we rest in his care, we trust in his sovereignty, and third and finally, we hope in his promises to us. We hope in his promises to us. And this comes directly from verse 21. The third cry to the Lord in chapter five says, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. End of the lament, it's a cry for restoration. As Christians, we know, of all people, we know the gospel story. We know how brokenness came into the world. It came in because of sin. And so as we lament, and we think about brokenness, we know the story. We know where it's come from. We know why creation is calling out, why it's groaning, why things are the way they are, why pain is the way it is why sorrows overwhelm. But we also know, while everything gives evidence to the brokenness of sin, that something has terribly gone, gone wrong with us in the world, we also know in the midst of that, the gospel story that God has not left us in brokenness. And he will not forever leave us in brokenness. We know that God has stepped in with mercy and we know that by looking at the face of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus came on a mission 
He came to bring restoration. He came so that the end of the story would not be sin and suffering and death, but rather forgiveness and restoration and life. Jesus came into the place between pain and promise and he hung on a cross for you. The fullness of God's love on display, sufficiency of God's grace for you to be saved. As he was raised from the dead, he's testifying to you, God is who he says he is. And he is able to save and he will restore. As you look at life coming from Jesus' death and him ascending on high and promising that he will come again, you have a full assurance that he who promised is faithful and he will restore all things. He will as you hope in him. The resurrection of Jesus signals the defeat of Satan the defeat of death itself, and it assures that pain and suffering will soon be transformed. Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we wait expectantly with hope. We wait and we hope and his promise to us. We hope in his promise for the day that lament will be no more. Revelation 21, four, he will wipe away every tear from her eye and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Mark Vargrip in his book says, one of the greatest joys of the new heavens and the new earth will be the absence of all songs of sorrow. He says, have you ever thought about this? That we'll sing the Psalms, but we will not sing all of them. The absence of songs of pain and sorrow. In God's presence, there will be no need to lament. <laughs> Our request will have been answered. I close by pointing your attention to verse 22. Because as Lamentations ends in the Old Testament, chapter five, the very last verse, there's kind of this lingering, like they're crying out, right, in these three ways. Like, God, hear us, remember us. Like, we, we wanna rest in your care for us. That's the first one we learned. The second one is, God, God we wanna, you reign forever, Lord. Your throne is forever. God, we want to trust in your sovereignty over us. And in this third one, God, we, we want to hope in your promise to us. Restore us, O oh Lord. Renew us. But then in verse 22, there's this, this like lingering question that they have. In the midst of the unresolved questions of their day and the unanswered prayers. And the question is, verse 22, look at your scripture. Unless... You've utterly rejected us unless you remain exceedingly angry with us. 
and then it just ends. It's almost like they, they want so bad to, to, to rest in his care, and they want so bad to trust in his sovereignty, and they want so bad to hope in his promise, and they do, but there's this like remaining question of like, oh, but how do we know that he's like for us? Like, what if he's against us? And the amazing gift that we have today that resolves verse 22 for us is that we have the gift of looking to Jesus. And we can know, you can know today, if you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, that God has not utterly rejected you. And that God will not remain exceedingly angry with you. And you can know that because Jesus came for you. And he was utterly rejected in your place. And the fullness of God's anger was poured out upon him. And now that he has borne God's wrath, that he was rejected in your place, he is alive from the grave. And he invites you to him. And you can know that if you are in him, you will not be rejected because he was for you. And God will not remain angry with you because God's anger was poured out on Jesus. You can know that if you are in Jesus, he does care for you and there's no lingering questions. He is sovereign over you and he is good and there's no lingering questions. And you can hope in his promise and he will be faithful and there are no lingering questions. In Jesus, there are no lingering questions of verse 22. He is for you, he is not against you. You may not know all the answers of why you're suffering, but you can know this, it's not because God does not love you. It's not because he's not for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus himself lamented on the cross. Psalm 22 was his lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes we feel like that in the midst of our pain. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? This is what Jesus quoted on the cross. It's his lament. His final complaint in his earthly life. But what we know by looking to Jesus is he was not forsaken forever. The lament of Good Friday was answered three days later on Easter Sunday with an empty tomb. The greatest pain and injustice in history became the greatest display of God's divine mercy. Tragedy became triumph. And Jesus did that for you so that you could know in the song in between, pain and promise. That tragedy will one day become triumph. 
We know that he loves us and he is for us. I said at the beginning of the series, the biggest question that we have to answer is how will we engage God in our brokenness? How will we engage God in our brokenness? I believe it's the greatest question that we have to answer as we close the series. I told you that I had read uh, or actually listened to a podcast that Tim Keller gave toward the end of his uh, ministry. As he was reflecting back over all the time that he had spent walking with people through suffering, he noted that it was often that people said suffering was the thing that drove them away from God. And then later he would hear about the exact same suffering and he would hear somebody say suffering was the very thing that drove them closer to God. And he made an observation, what made the difference? And the difference was the choice that people made in the midst of suffering. Whether or not they would move toward him or away from him. Lamentations invites us to move toward God. To move toward him in our suffering. And Lamentations 5 invites us to not grow tired of doing that again and again and again. And lament, we choose to keep coming to God. We, in lament, we keep lamenting. We say to God, God, I, I hate this. I'm overwhelmed by this. I'm crushed by this. I'm so tired of this, but God, Remember me. I'm going to rest in my care for you. But God, your throne, your reign endures forever. God, I'm going to, I'm going to trust in your sovereignty over me. And God, I'm going to keep praying for restoration. I'm going to keep hoping, God. I want to keep hoping in your promise to me. So I pray that these rhythms will be deeply embedded in our souls, such that as we continue to walk through the brokenness of life in this world with God, that we do it in these ways, resting and trusting and hoping as we look to Jesus and we remember he's not against us. He's not against us. Father, we pray today that, Lord, as we have learned these things, Lord, that these things would be manifest in our hearts and in our lives as we continue to to walk with you. Lord, we just acknowledge today how hard life is. And Lord, in these three heart cries that we've heard from your word today, Lord, we now make these personal to you. Remember us, O Lord. 
we choose today to rest in your care. To make known to you our struggles and to receive from you your grace. But you, O Lord, reign forever. We choose today to trust that you are in control. That what we are going through is not outside of your power. We choose to trust that you reign now over us. And while we may not understand your ways, we trust your heart. Restore us to yourself, O Lord. We choose today to hope in your promise. to look at Jesus, our Savior, and know that you love us. In fact, you stepped into brokenness that you might bring redemption and restoration. We know that the end of all things will be hearing your voice, behold, I've made all things new. This pain will be turned to praise. Tragedy will be turned to triumph. We believe that in the end, we will see the fullness of your restoration. So we continue to hope in you because you have promised are faithful. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.